We begin today the Gemara on Daf Kuf Yud Bey Zaman Aleph at the right at the beginning of the Amud where it says Rav Ade Bar Ahava. So this is connected to the sugya before the beginning of the Perek. The first mission of this Perek talks about a Gazlan. He stole something and then he left it for his children. And he passed away. So now the Mishnah says that the children don't have to return this gzela. So the big question is, why not? The actual item that was stolen is still here. What difference does it make that now the children have it? So the Gemara brought before brought two pshatim. Rami Bachama says the reason is because children that inherit an object that was stolen, they're like a lekeah, they're like a buyer. It's like a nudishus. And therefore, the case in the Mishnah here is that there was a yush, the owner of it was Miyayish, gave up, and there's a Shinudishus because of the Yerusha here. And the Yerusha is like a Lekeach. That's Rami Bachamas Pshat. Rabbi said the Mishnah must be talking about a case where the children then went and ate up this Gzeilev. That doesn't exist in the world anymore. In such a case, you don't have to return it. If it was still here, so then the children are not like a Lekeach. The children are just a Yerusha. It's like the same Rishus of the father. So they would have to return it. That was the Machlekes regarding the Pshat and the Mishnah. So the Gemara is going to bring similar machlekes between Rami Bachama and Rava in a case where the father left over for the children money that was earned from ribis, from interest that the father charged, which is also, of course, an iser to charge interest on a loan. Same kind of machlekes here. Let's see. So the Gemara Ravada Barave Masnilahod Rami Bachama Ahod. Ravada Barave brought this that Rami Bachama said regarding here this Mishnah. The father left for the children money that was earned from interest. Even if the children know that this is money from ribis, they don't have to return this money to the father. So again, over here, the question is, why not? This is money that was forbidden to collect, doesn't belong to them, and the money's still here. Why shouldn't they return it? So on this, Rami Bachama, so Rami Bachama explains, this Mishnah teaches us that Rishos Yairish the possession now of these inheritors is It's like they're buyers, so it's like a new ownership, a new possession. So therefore, there's the Yish. The case of here must be that the person that paid up this interest, he gave up on it, so there's a Yish. And besides that, there's a Shinri Rishos. It's now in a new possession, and therefore they're kind it, they don't have to return it. That's what Rami Bachama explained regarding this case, similar to what we said regarding the Mishnah by Exela. Rav gives a different explanation here. Really, I can tell you that the Yerish, the children that Yarshan this interest, they're not like buyers. It's still like in the Rishus of the father. So why don't they have to return it? The Shani Hacha over here, though, when it comes to Ribis, even though the Ribis still exists and they didn't eat it up. I love it. Regarding the case of Gzela, Rav explained that you're going to have to say the cases that they ate up the Gzela. The Gzela is not here anymore. But here regarding Ribis, Rav says no. By Ribis, there's a Pasuk that tells us that the children will not have to return it. Why? The Pasuk says, Do not take Ribis interest on a loan. The Pasuk there continues and says, and then, Your brother should live with you. If he needs a loan, give him a loan and he should live with you. That's the Pasuk there. So from this Pasuk, Rava says, we learn out, Ahadele, give him back this interest. Even if you charge him interest, you must give it back to him. Why? So that your brother should live with you. Give him a loan and give it to him an interest-free loan that he can live with you. So now from this Pasuk, we learn, The Torah is warning the father, meaning the person himself that charged the interest to give it back. However, for the son, which didn't charge his interest, he doesn't have the obligation to return it. 
different than a gzela. A gzela, when you steal something, obviously it always has to be returned. Here, when the interest was charged, the person that paid the interest, he agreed to pay the interest. It wasn't taken by force. Elamai is an issue. You're not allowed to charge interest. The father, the one that charged interest, he has an obligation to give it back. But the son can keep it. That's Rav's Pshadeh. So now the Gemara explains, Man de Masnila Braise, the one that says that Rami Bachome taught what he said here regarding this Braise, <laughs> that we're talking about a case over here, that uh, Rami Bachome taught this concept that once it goes into the possession of the Yerish, then this is like a Likeach, it's Yush, and it's Shini Rishus. So the one that says that Rami Bachome taught this over here in the Braise, so Kol Shekena Masnisen. Definitely, he would, he would say that Rami Bachomet taught the same regarding the Mishnah before when it comes to Gzela. Over there, in that Mishnah, when it comes to Gzela, there is no explanation, according to Rami Bachomet, why the children will be able to keep this Gzela if, it, if the Gzela is still here in the world, other than saying that it's Yush and Shini Rishos. So definitely, Rami Bachomet would have to apply that logic over there regarding the Mishnah. But on the other hand, though, Man de Masnila Amas Nisen, the one that taught, what Rami Bachome said regarding the Mishnah, maybe over here in this Braise, he would agree to what Rav says. Because when it comes to the Mishnah over there, the only way to explain it, according to Rami Bachome, is to say that there's Yush and Shini Rishos. Uh, unless you say like Rav. Rav said a very big Dechik in the Mishnah. Rav said that the case in the Mishnah is that the Gzela is not here anymore. The Gzela was eaten up. That's not what it said in the Mishnah, though. That's not the simple shot of the Mishnah. If it's, if it, if it's not eaten up, so then according to Rav Bachame, you're going to have to say that the Yishus of the Yiddish is like the Rishus of the Likeach. And that's why you don't have to return it. But over here, though, over here, though, in this Braise, there's no proof to say that the children are like a Likeach. Because over here, Rami Bachame could agree to this Pasuk, the Rav Darshan. Over here, you have a Pasuk that says that, that even if the children are not like a Likeach, but nevertheless, the obligation to return interest is only on the person himself that charged it, and not necessarily on the children. So therefore, because over here, you have this Pasuk, it could be that Rami Bachame agrees to Rav. In connection to this, the Gemara brings a, a few different braises um, that discuss the case where a person stole and left it for his children. So, Tan Rabbanon, one braise we learned, Hagaizel, Umachel, Esbonov. A person steals and he gave, gives it to eat to his children. Peturim, Elishalem, they're potter to pay. Now that the Gzela, sorry, the Gzela that is, the item, is not here in the world anymore, they ate it up, the children are potter to pay. Hiniach, Lufneyem, if the father left it for his children, and the Gzela is still here in the world, Gedailim Chayav L'Shalem. If these children are Gedailim, so they're, they're above Bar Mitzvah, they're obligated, <coughs> they have responsibility for everything they do. So the Gzela is in their possession, they're going to be Chayav to pay. Now, according to Rami Bachama, this must be talking about a case where there was no Yish. Because as we just explained, if there was Yish, then even if the Gzela is still here, but there's, there's a Yish, and then there's a change of possession, there's a Shini Rishos, because the child is like a Likeyach. So this is before Yish. Ketanim, if these are children that are Yashining this Gzela, and it's in their possession, Peturim Milashalim, the children are going to be potter to pay. The Gemara is soon going to discuss this. The reason why children are potter to pay, according to this opinion, there's actually a machlekes about this, as we'll see. According to this opinion, the reason they're potter to pay is because you can't ever take money out of the possession of children because you're going to have to bring edos that this is a stolen item. And you can't 
have any testimony in a Bezdin when it's not in the presence of the Baldin, when it's not in the presence of the person. Children, it's like, it's, it's like you're taking money away from them, not in their presence, because they're children. They have no understanding of what's going on. So therefore, if it's children, even if the Gzele is here, you can't take it away from them. Tuna Mila Shalem. One second. What? Even if they're Yeah, even if they're exactly. Now the Vraisa continues and says, even the G'daylem here, these children, if they say, They come and say to this person, you're claiming that this item got stolen from you. Not only claiming, there's an, well, okay, there's a, let's say claiming. Let's say the, 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 the Nigzal comes and claims that this item got, item got stolen. And the G'daylem come and say, we don't know. Could be our father paid it back, could be he didn't, Peturin. So the children will be potted to pay this G'daylem. That's what it says simply in this price. You know. So the Gemara asks on this, If the children are coming and saying to the Nigzal, we don't know, maybe our father paid back, they would be potter for this reason. Why should they be potter? The question of the Gemara is, here you have a Nigzal, which comes with a tiny body. He's, he's sure that this item was stolen from him and he never got paid back. And here, what did the children respond? Maybe our father paid you back. Body Vishema, in such a case, everybody agrees, body Yadif. Even though in, in the other places in Gemara where it says there's a machlaikis about this, but not in this kind of case. In this kind of case where the children agree that the money was stolen. They're just saying, maybe our father paid you back. In such a case, everybody agrees that the body, the, the, the nigzal that's saying that this money got stolen from me, for sure they should have to pay it back. So the Gemara answer is, we must read the Braisa differently. This is what the Braisa meant to say. We do know all calculations that our father already made with you. And there's nothing of the stolen item or money that's left by him, and he did pay you. So the children are coming with a tiniest body, that for sure the father paid you. Then Peturin, then they'll be Potter. So based on what the Gemara say here, Taisvah says, the Mepharshim say, in one shot at least, that the Gemara must be talking about a case that the owner, the Nigzal, doesn't have Eidus that this item was stolen. This Nigzal is coming just with a claim. He comes with a tiny body. Here, this item that you have was stolen from me. So then, their tiny body, they can come and claim, no, we know for a fact that the father paid it up. But if the Nigzal would come with an Eidus, if he has proper Eidus that this item was stolen, so then a tiny body just to say that it was paid up would not work. <coughs> According to one shot of Aaron Taisus. Okay. Let's go weiter. So the Gemara now brings <coughs> another Braisa about this. Tanya Idach and a different Braisa we learned. Hagaizel Omachel Bonov, a person that steals and he gives this Gzela to eat to his children. Peturim Milashalem, you put it to pay. Like it said in the Mishnah and in the previous Braisa here. He left it over for his children and the children ate it up. Bein gedolim, bein ketanim. Whether it's gedolim, whether it's ketanim, chayovin, they're chayiv to pay. So here it says that even ketanim, children that have no <coughs> idea what's going on, they're also going to be chayiv to pay. So the Gemara wonders on this right away. What does this mean? Ketanim, mi mechayvi. Children would they be chayiv to pay such a thing? We can't ever obligate children to pay for any damage for anything that they would owe. Why? Because children have no das, they have no understanding of what's going on. You can't be mechayev to pay anything. Even if they go, even if a child goes into someone's property and is mazik, you potter. We learned this earlier in the Masechta. What a, what, a, what a cotton does, you can't obligate him to pay. So what does this bride here mean? Rav Papa, so Rav Papa explains. This is how you have to read what this bride has said. If the gzela, 
the father gave to his children, and the children did not eat it up yet, the item is still there, then ben gedolim, ben ketanim chayovin. Then whether the children are gedolim or the children are ketanim, they will be chayiv to pay for this. If it's, in the, if it's still in their uh, possession, they will be chayiv to pay for this. So this b'raisa actually argues with the previous b'raisa, because here it's saying that ketanim, as long as the gzela is still there, they are going to be chayiv to pay. And before we said that uh, in the presence of ketanim, you can't ever take anything from them, even if you're going to bring Adim that it was stolen, it doesn't matter. Because ketanim, as I said before, it's like you're taking something away from a person, not in his presence. But here this Raisa says, no, by ketanim, <coughs> if the gzela itself is still here, you could take it away from them. Omarah, the Gemara is going to come back to this Omid on Omid Beis to discuss this more in detail. But here, first it brings uh, another halacha. says, <coughs> The father left for his children a cow that he borrowed from someone. And let's say uh, the time for, for the, this loan of this cow that he had, it's still in the middle of this time, and the father passes away. So now, The children can continue using this cow for all the time period of this, uh, of this loan of this cow. Now, Mesa, if the cow dies in the possession of these children, ain't chayavim by himself. They're not going to be chayav to pay if it died by something that's out of their control, by an anus. Even though a shayal, a borrower, is always responsible even for an anus, but that's the borrower himself. The children that didn't borrow, they just inherited it from their father in this, in this condition of this cow here being borrowed, they never took upon themselves to pay for an anus. So if an anus happens, they'll be potter. Now, what if the case is different? They find this cow in their father's possession. They have no idea that it's a borrowed cow. They think that it belonged to their father. So they shechted it and they ate it. And now they find out that it doesn't belong to their father. It belonged to somebody else. But now what they did is totally not their fault. They didn't realize. They're going to have to pay for the meat that they have here and that they're eating and they're having a benefit from this, they're going to have to pay the cheap price of this meat. The, the shear of the cheap price of this meat is they have to pay two-thirds of its value. That's the salah. This is a halacha that's actually based on something that we learned earlier in the Masechta in Peter Ketzet HaRegel. The Mishnah there says, even in a case where a person is potter as a mazik, there are various cases there that Gemara brought up when a person is potter as a mazik, but you still have to pay for the actual hana that you have. But you don't pay like a mazik which pays full price you pay for the hana, which is only two-thirds of the price, because you can get that sometimes cheap in the market, so you have to pay two-thirds of the price. So here as well, they're not high to pay for this, that they slaughtered this. They had no idea that it didn't belong to the father, but they have to pay for the cheap price. Then the Mishnah says, If the father also left for his children properties, which are called achrayis nechosim, properties that you can take responsibility for them to pay up a loan. So now they have properties they inherited from the father. They'll be obligated to pay. So here the Gemara will explain this last line here in the, on, on this uh, that Rav said here. What is it going on? Is it going on the beginning of what he said? When there's a loan here and there was an anus in this cow? Or in the second case? Where they slaughtered it not knowing that this belonged to a shoyal. So There are those that said that this last line over here goes on the Reisha. And the There are those that said that it goes on the second case of the Braisa. Which means like this, if you say it goes on the Reisha, that means that in this case where it says 
that if they slaughter, or oh, sorry, if there was an oinus, Reish is not the case of where they slaughtered it, the case is where the oinus happened. And there it says, because they are not the shayl himself, they're potter. But then, the, on that, the Braises says, even though they should be potter, but if there's a property that they inherited from the father, so then there's a shibud on that property for this loan, for this, for this that the father took responsibility for this loan, and therefore, they will have to pay up for the oinus from this property. That's if it goes under Asia. Now, the or could go on the safer. The safer is this case where they slaughtered the cow. Right, so we said over here, in the safer, they don't have to pay full price. They only have to pay Brazil, two-thirds. And on that, the Seifa is saying, however, if they have from the properties of the father, then the owner could collect from those properties full price for this animal that was slaughtered here. So now the Gemara explains, Man the Masnila, Man the Masnila, the one that says that we say this last line regarding the properties, that it goes on the Reisha, that, that, that the owner could collect from the properties when there's an Oynes, most definitely the same thing would apply to the Seifa as well. And this is arguing on a point that Rav Papa said, which the Gemara is going to quote soon. The point over here that the Gemara is going to bring out with what Rav Papa says here is, is as follows. When a, person, when a person borrows something, at what point does the obligation of payment begin? One way to understand this is, when you borrow something, so now, as long as you're borrowing it and it's in your possession, it's yours to use, to keep, to do with it, whatever you want. Now, when, when do you have to pay for it? When the time is up, when the time of the loan is up, or, let's say, an oinus happens and it dies. At that moment, when it dies, that's when your entire chiv begins to now return it to the owner. But up until that point, when you're borrowing it, it's yours to use and keep. That's one way to understand this. Another way to understand this is, no, the moment that you get it, into your possession, it's that moment that the chiyuv begins, that your chiyuv, your obligation to return it to the owner begins. So therefore, later, when oinus happens, something, if the animal dies, you have to pay. But why do you have to pay? Because right from the beginning, your chiyuv began. Right, so as we'll see soon, the Gemara is going to say that according to Rav Pape, the chiyuv begins when the oinus happens, not at the moment when you got it in your possession. So over here, if we're going to say that this case of the father, the leftover properties, and, and therefore the, the owner can collect now from these properties, what does that mean? Why could the owner collect from these properties? When the oinus happened, if you're looking at the time of the oinus, the oinus was in the possession of the children. And the children don't have any obligation to pay up for this oinus that happened in their possession. They're not the shoyal. But never, nevertheless, the Braise is saying that if this property is from the father that they inherited, we collect from those properties for, for what happened over here. Why? It must be that the reason is because the payment for this loan begins from the time of the, the beginning, when, when the father got it into his possession. So since the payment, the chiyuv begins from the beginning, so therefore there's a shibud on the karka, of, there's a lien on these properties of the father right from the beginning. So therefore, even after this person passes away, if oinus happens, you collect from the, those properties. That's if it goes on the ratio. So this argues on Rav Papa, as we'll see, Rav Papa holds that the obligation of the payment only begins later, when the oinus happened, and then it's already out of the, uh, out of the original borrower's uh, possession. On the other hand... No, the shibud, shibud, no, but the shibud, the shibud of a payment is only on karka. There's no, the shibud, no, the shibud is not a metal. Why would you get the thing? Why would you get the thing? But the, the, the oinus was that the cow itself died. So the cow itself, you're not returning. 
you have to pay for it with something else. The shibud only goes on karka, not on, not on any other kind of thing. On the other hand, man, the the one that says that this, that this, that it says here, that there's a property from the father that you have to pay with it, that it goes only on the safe of the Mishnah, where these children now went and shechted it and they ate it on their own, but then on the Reisha, and in such a case where there was an oinus that happened, over there, you're not going to collect from these properties. And this is like Rav Papa says, and the reason is because the oinus that happens, so this oinus happened in the possession of the children. The oinus is the time when the chiv starts. So if the oinus is the time when the chiv starts, you can't collect from the properties of the father. There's no shibud on the properties of the father. On the other hand, though, in the case in the Sefer, where the children ate from this, uh, from this animal, they slaughtered it and they ate it for, them, they ate it for themselves. So here, it's, Rashi says something, it's not so clear what Rashi is saying here, but the Mepharshim explain, in such a case, you will collect from the properties of the father, because this is considered to be a negligence on the father's behalf. If a father has a cow in his possession and he's passing away, he should let his children know that it doesn't belong to me. Don't slaughter it. Don't use it for yourself. This is something he should leave some kind of documentation or something that the children should know that they have to return it to the owner. So because this is a pshia on behalf of the father, so therefore, in this case, you will be able to collect from the father's properties for uh, for the fact that the children went and slaughtered it. Now, where is the source of what Rav Papa said regarding the subject? Rav Papa, Rav Papa said the following Allah. Rav Papa didn't say this idea clearly, but from something else that he said, we can see what he held about this idea. Again, the discussion over here is, at what point does the obligation of payment for a she'el for a loan begin? At the time when you receive this item, or later when the oinus happens? So Rav Papa said as follows, If a person stole a cow, and then the tafcha b'shabbos, and went and slaughtered it on Shabbos. So then, when, when you steal the cow, you have to pay back the keren, the principle of the, this cow itself, and you have to pay kefil as well. But then if you slaughter it, what's the Allah when you slaughter it? You have to pay an additional knas, right? As we learned, dalad vehe, four or five times as much. Mm-hmm. So the Braise says, or the Papa actually said, chayiv, even if this is done on Shabbos, you're going to be chayiv. And what's the Chiddush here? Usually we know that there's a halacha called since he slaughtered it on Shabbos, Misa, you should not be chayiv to pay money at the same time. But over here you are chayiv, and the reason is does not apply to a payment of money which is just a knas. If you pay, if you chayiv to pay a real tashlumen of money that you owe someone, then you don't pay if, if you chayiv misa. But a knas, you pay even while there's a chayiv misa. And over here we say like this, The basic chayiv of the money that you stole, that already happened before Shabbos. So therefore on Shabbos, you only chayiv for a knas. So, knas, you chayiv even on Shabbos when you chayiv misa. However, if a person borrowed a cow, and then the tovcha b'Shabbos, and he went and slaughtered this cow on Shabbos, so what happens over here in this case? Potter. In this case, he will be potter. Why? Because over here I do apply the concept of kamle b'derabmine, that because he's chayiv misa, so therefore he doesn't have to pay for this. She is a Shabbos, when he slaughters it on Shabbos, that's a chil Shabbos that he's chayiv misa for. And the is geneve. And also, it's at that moment that he's stealing it, bom kechod, the chiv of the payment of the money. And the Isser of Shabbos come at the same moment, and therefore, he gets the harsher punishment of Misa, and he doesn't have to pay. Now, what do you see over here from what Apophis is saying? What you see from what Apophis is saying is that the, when's the moment of the obligation for, to pay this money for this animal that you borrowed? The time when you shechted it. That's the time when the obligation begins. 
So therefore, if it happened on Shabbos, which there was a Chil Shabbos at the same time, you'll be potter. But if we're going to say that when you borrow a cow, the time of the obligation of the payment begins at the moment when you borrow it, when you receive it into your possession. So then the Chiv of the payment really began already before, the moment you received it in your possession. So therefore here, when you shechted it on Shabbos, you're not paying over here. The time of the Chiv did not start at the time when you shechted it. The time of the Chiv began when you borrowed it. So therefore, why should it become Levi the Rabbi The Chiv of the money was already from before Shabbos. And the Chiv of Shabbos is, is on Shabbos. It's two different times. So here we see that our Papa holds that when you borrow a cow, the Chiv of the payment does not begin at the time when you borrow it. It begins on Shabbos itself at the time when you shechted it. Or the same thing would be, uh, according to our Papa, when the Ainus happens, the Chiv of the payment begins at the time of the Ainus. But it's better only because he's Chayv Misa. Only because he's Chayv Misa, correct, okay. yeah. Now this comes back here to a basic uh, explanation for the halacha that we had in the, in the Mishnah in the beginning of the Patek and mentioned here before as well, when a person steals something and he gives it to his children to eat. So in such a case, his children ate it up, you're going to be potter for this. Why are the children potter when they ate it up? So the Braisa says, That the Torah says, Return the gzela that you stole. What is the meaning of the provides the extra words of Asher Gazal? It means Yachzer Ke'ensha Gazal. Return it when it is in the same situation as it was when it was stolen. What does this mean? Does that mean that if the Gazlan himself eats it up, then he won't be chayef to pay the value, the money for it? That can't be. By the Gazlan himself, even if he ate it up, he's for sure going to have to pay money for it. So what does it mean here when we darshan that you don't give it back ken shagaz? Well, we had the same thing earlier in the Masechta. Earlier in the Masechta, the Gemara darshan from this, that here we learn out the halacha of a shinui. That once there's a shinui, when there's a difference that you, in the condition of the object that you stole, so you don't pay back the object itself, you only pay money. But here the Gemara is going to darshan that we learn from here that you don't have to pay at all. When is it that you don't have to pay at all? Omru, so they said, Mikan Omru, that is from here we learned out that hagaizel, umachal is banok. A person steals and then the children go ahead and eat it. The children are potter to pay. That's, uh, this is the source for this concept. So over here, this is the source of what it says. When the children eat, we're talking about a situation where he's giving to his children to eat, even when the father is still alive. The children are sitting around this table and the children are eating from it. Why should he be potter to pay? Even if there's a yish over here from the father, or from the owner that is, but there's, there's no shini rishos here. Only time, before we explain that when, when the father dies and the children have it, so maybe there's a yiyosh and there's a shini rishos. But over here we're talking about a situation where there's no yiyosh and shini rishos. Maybe there's only yiyosh, but the, the children went and ate it. So why, why should you be potter? That's what the Gemara is bringing here, this pasik. Taisus actually says earlier on Daf Kofir Aleph that this pasik is just an asmachta. This is not the real source. And, and really, this idea, once the children eat it, your potter is because even though the, there's, no, there's no real proper change of yiyush and shini rishos to patiyu, but nevertheless, once someone else ate up the gzela, you're going to be potter. And there's actually a few opinions about this, based on what it said before in the Gemara. It could be this is only when there's yiyush, could be even when there's no yiyush, according to what Rami Bacham said before in the Gemara, or maybe it was Rav Chista, I remember who it was before in the Gemara, even without yiyush. If the children eat it up, they're going to be potter. Because once it's out of the possession of the owner, and now someone else ate it up, over here the chiv of the taita to return it does not apply. Okay, the b'raisa continues and says, that if it's a case of, if the gzela was left 
in, in, for, for the children and they inherited it from the father, like we spoke about before, whether they'll hear it, this price says, whether the children are Gedolim or Katanim, the children will be Chayev to pay. Here we see this argument about the Katanim. Sumcha says, no, the Gedolim, they're Chayev to pay. Katanim, but the Katanim are going to be Pater to pay, even if it's a case where the person brings Edim and there's no year share, and the children should be chayev to pay. But according to Sumchis, you could never collect from Ketanim. And the reason is, as I explained before, because Ketanim, it's like collecting from someone not in his presence. You never could bring Aiden in a dintaid and collect from someone not in its presence, his presence. Um, connection to this klal. So here, this is a machlekes here, between Sumchis and the Rabbanan. The Rabbanan say you could collect from the Ketanim, even though it's like you're collecting not in their presence. Sumchis says you can't collect because you can't take from someone not in, its presence, in his presence. So now the Gemara will get into this subject and bring a story about this idea. Bar Chamud Rabbi Yirmiyeh, the son of the father-in-law of Rabbi Yirmiyeh, in other words, the brother-in-law of Rabbi Yirmiyeh, this is uh, what happened over here is, Rabbi Yirmiyeh's father-in-law passed away and left, uh, left the house. So now the, the, the son, which is the brother-in-law of Rabbi Yirmiyeh, Tara Gali Rabbi Yirmiyeh. He locked the door in front of Rabbi Yirmiyeh, didn't allow Rabbi Yirmiyeh to come in and take possession of his house. As, as, as we'll see here, the, the story basically was, after Rabbi Yirmiyeh's father, father-in-law passed away, Rabbi Yirmiyeh claimed that his father-in-law gave him the house as a gift. And the son took possession of the house now, and the son said, no, I'm the son, it's mine, I, I, I inherited it from my father. He didn't allow Rabbi Yirmiyeh to come into the property. That was their argument. What, what? It was a minor. Uh, was he a minor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the son was a, a cotton, exactly. Yeah, yeah, as we'll see, that's the whole story over here. The son was a cotton, yeah. So now what happened? So they come now in front of Rab Ovin to, to discuss this uh, well, Who's right here? So Omar, so Rab Ovin says, that uh, the, the son is, is demanding what belongs to him. He's, he's the Yerush, and therefore he doesn't have to let you into the house. Amalei, so Rabbi Yirmiya said, I can bring Eidos, that I took possession of this house already while the father was alive. What does that mean he took possession of it? In order to take possession over a house properly, to be able to prove that it's yours, you have to have lived there for at least three years. That's Chazaka regarding a piece of land or a house. Three years. So he says, I can bring you Aiden that I was here for three years already. So how can this guy now lock me out of the house? So he has Aiden. So if he has Aiden, he wanted to come and take it away from his brother-in-law. Huh? Three years after he was there, the story came up. Yeah, he was there in the life of the father. He claims he has Aiden that he was there for already for three years. But now when the father passes away, the son, a cotton, he took possession of the house and he doesn't want to let his brother-in-law in. So Amalei, so Rabbi answers him, it doesn't matter if you have Aiden. Are you allowed to accept testimony from anybody if it's not in the presence of the Baldin, of the person that you're arguing with? So over here, since your brother-in-law is a cotton, so we're not going to accept your, your Adis. And uh, too bad, you're going to be locked out of this house. So now the Gemara brings from the price that we just had before. So he said, well... Is it not true that you could accept Adus even if it's not in the presence of the of the Baldin? Vahokatani, didn't we learn in the Braisa that we just quoted before? Bangadilan, Bangkitanim, Hayavin. In the case of a gzela, which is left in the possession of the children, whether it's Gedalim, whether it's Katanim, and the owner brings Adim that it was stolen from him, even the children will have to pay. 
But didn't Sumchis argue on this? Didn't Sumchis say that the Katanim don't have to pay? So Omar, Rabbi Yirmiya says, The entire world goes out of their way to follow just the opinion of Sumchis, to take away this house from me. What he's basically saying is, Who tells you we're passing like Sumchis? Did Rabbana disagree with Sumchis? Why would we follow the opinion just of Sumchis? So this, so this was now, became an argument between Rabbi Yirmiya and Rabbi Dibarovin, whether we pass him like Sumchus or not, in such a case. So Adachi, meanwhile, a Galgal Milsa, this matter developed, and also a Matla Kamei de Rabavo. And it came in front of Rabavo to Paskin, could he bring Adam and take this house out of his brother-in-law, which is a cotton, or not? Omar, so Rabbavo said, Did you not hear what Rav Yisab said in the name of Rav Yisab? A child that has servants that he inherited from his father, and he takes his servants and he goes and he grabs a property from someone. And he goes and he possesses someone's property. And he claims that it belongs to me. So in such a case, we're not going to say, let's wait until this child will be an adult. We're going to take it out of his possession immediately. And then, and then, then we're going to say to this child, when you'll be an adult, you bring Adam that this property belongs to you. So what do we see over here? That Rabbi Ishiya said that a child that took possession over a property and then someone else comes and brings Adam that this property belongs to him, we will accept testimony against the child that's now possessing the property. So therefore over here, uh, who's this over here? Rabbi Vo is taking the side of Rabbi Yirmiya. He's saying Rabbi Yirmiya is right. If he's bringing Adam that this property, that this house belongs to him, we should listen to the Ados against this cotton and take it away from his brother-in-law. That's uh, the, the comparison the Gemara wanted that Rabavo said. But the Gemara says it's not the same thing. Me, dummy, how can you compare these cases? In that case, what was the story that Rabbi Ishiya said? A child comes along with his servants after his father passed away and goes and takes possession of someone's property. We had no uh, knowledge prior to what this child did that this property ever belonged to his father. They inherited it from his father. So he's going now and grabbing someone's property. So for sure, over here, Rabbi Ishiya says, we'll accept Eidos against the cotton to take it away from him. But if it's a case where this child is possessing a property, like over here, the brother-in-law of Rabbi Yirmi is possessing the home because there's a chazak because we have prior knowledge that this, this home belonged to his father. In such a case, we're not going to take him out of the house because Rabbi Yirmi has Adam that it belongs to him. Even if you have Adam, it doesn't matter. In the presence of a cotton, it's like you're not in the presence of the baldin. In such a case, we're not going to accept the Adam to take it away from him. You're going to have to wait until the child becomes a godl. Yeah. Over here, it doesn't make a difference uh, earlier if the if the child was. was Rabbi Yirmiya claimed that he had a chazaka of three years earlier. At the time when the father passed away, the child took now possession of the house, and we know that this house, at a certain point, belonged to his father. 
True, Rabbi Yirmiyah claims that he possessed it for three years, but we have knowledge that this house at a certain point belonged to the father. In the other case, though, what Rabbi Yishu is talking about, it's Tam, a case, a child goes and grabs someone's property. We have no prior knowledge at all that it ever belonged to his father. That's the difference between these two cases. saying that Yirmiyah had a chazaka and he was living there and the child threw him out. But the child threw him out before. We don't, we don't, we, the child, right now though, the child is possessing the house. Could be the child threw him out, but, but right now the child, his brother-in-law, the child is possessing the house. Okay, in connection to this, the Gemara brings on Rav Ashi, Om Rav Shapsoi, Rav Ashi said, Ashi said, the halach in the name of Rav Shapsoi, Mekablim Eidim Shaloi B'fnei Baldin. You could listen to the words of witnesses, even if it's not in the presence of the other Baldin here in this case. Could you listen to witnesses in a dintaida with the other the other person that you're saying testimony against him is not even here? Rabbi Yisib Bachanina heard from Rabbi Yechenin. What did Rabbi Shapsai mean to say? He meant to say as follows: In a case where this person here is sick. So he needs to bring his Aedus right now because he's afraid. What happens if I die? And then my children will be stuck. So he wants to bring the Aedim right now. Or the Aedim that he wants to bring are also sick. So he has to have them say the testimony before they die. Or the Aedim that he has there want to travel overseas. So then he's not, never going to have them available again. And additionally, the case over here is that your Baldin, he was sent to Hasmona to come to Bezdin and he didn't arrive. So in such a case, you could listen to witnesses even not in the presence of the Baldin. Another case, We accept the words of Edim even not in front of the other Baldin. So now what, what did he mean to say? What did Shmuel mean to say? So Ma'okve said, I heard from Shmuel himself what he was talking about. The case of here is, in the Paschale the Dintaira already began, which means each one of the Baledinim already said their tainus in Bezdin. And now, one of the Baledinim said, I have Edus to bring to my, for my case, the Shalchule. Now they sent the other Baldin to come back to the Bezdin to listen to the Edus that the other person had, for Layasa. And he didn't want to come back. It's in such a case, when it's already in the middle of the Dintaira, then you can bring Edus, even if the other person is not here, if he doesn't want to come back. If the Dintaira didn't begin yet, in such a case, Matsi Amale, this the other person can come and say, I'm not interested in coming to this Bezdin. The Dintaira didn't begin yet. I want to go to the Bezdin Agadl in Yerushalayim. Over there, we're going to have the Dintaira here. I don't want to come to this Bezdin. So the Gemara asks, if that's if he has a right to say that he doesn't want to come to this Bezdin, he wants to go to a different Bezdin, even if the Dintaira already began, doesn't he have the right to say, I see matters are getting complicated in this Dintaira, I didn't realize it's so complicated, I want to go, I want to continue the Dintaira by a different Bezdin in Yerushalayim. He should be able to say that then as well, if he has such a right. Says the Gemara, Amalei, so he explained to him, Sorry, I'm sorry, this is all part of the question. Shouldn't he be able to say, even in the middle of the Dintaira, that he wants to go to a different Bezna, to the big Bezna in Yerushalayim? Amr Ravina says, the distinction over here that we're making is in the following case. When he has already a letter, when this Baldin has a letter from the Bezna Godl in Yerushalayim that says, we give it over to this Bezna. Don't come to us, we give it over to this Bezna and they should be done this Dintaira. So this is the case where you make this kind of distinction. 
if it's before the Dintaira began, the other Baldin could still say, no, I don't, it doesn't matter, what, even if you have this letter, I don't want to begin the Dintaira with this Bezdin. But once the Dintaira began, then if you have a letter from the Bezdin Agadl, you're going to follow the Bezdin over here. Omar Rav, Rav said another halacha about this subject, the Kaiman is Baldin. When you have a, a document and the signatures in this document and you have to verify the signatures, you can come and verify the signatures even not in front of the other Baldin, which the star is going to be used against him. You can't come and verify the signatures in a document if it's not in front of the other Baldin. I'll explain you the reason why, why Rabbi Yechonin says that you can't verify a document if it's not in the presence of the other Baldin. Because the Torah says, and this is something we learned earlier in the Masechta, regarding a shayr that gores three times and then becomes a mu'ad, that you have to warn the owner, and when he didn't listen, he didn't guard it, so then it becomes a mu'ad. The Torah says, The means the owner of the axe has to be there when there is an entire against him. So therefore, regarding the star here as well, even though you're not mamish right now yet using the star, but you even just that to verify the star to then be used against him it has to be in the presence of the other Baldin. You could verify a document of a loan, let's say, even if it's not in front of the other Baldin. Even if the other person standing and screaming. You can still, it doesn't matter. He's screaming and saying, don't verify it, I'm, I'm coming, I'm not here. It doesn't matter. You can verify the document even if it's not in his presence. Now if the other Baldin says, Give me time. Give me time because I'm going to bring Avis and I'm going to show you that this star is not a good star. Then, Naktinale, we give him time. If he comes, he comes. If he doesn't come, so how long, how long, how much time do we give him to, to, to bring Adam to disprove the, the, this star here? We wait, Naktinale, Bahab. We wait for him on Monday, a Thursday, and the next Monday. This is the time when Bezdin sits. The Bezdin is on Monday, and then they. they, they they say, come to Bezdin on Monday, he doesn't come. He doesn't show up Thursday either, he doesn't show up Monday. Ilayasa, if he doesn't come after a Monday, Thursday, and a Monday, so then we verify the document, and kasvinon psicha ilavei tishin yoimin. We write another document, Bezdin will give out a document for this person now to be able to collect his loan. And psicha actually means it's a certain kind of a level of a cheirim, that this person must pay up your loan, and we give him 90 days to pay up the loan. Why 90 days? Plus in Kamoi, the first 30 days, we're not going to go by force into his properties to collect this loan because the because this person can say, the deliver that owes the money could say, I'm trying to borrow money from someone else to pay you. I'm working on getting the money for you. So we, we, we give him those 30 days. Mitzia Nami, another 30 days we give him as well. We're not going to go into his properties. The Omar, because this person can say, I have nobody to borrow money from to pay you. He's still trying to sell off some of his properties to be able to pay you. So we don't come for another 30 days. Now, the third 30 days, another 30 days, we're not going to go into his properties either because the Omar, because we say, he sold his properties to someone, and now he's trying to collect payment from that buyer to be able to pay up his loan. 
Now, after all, after 90 days, Loyasa, he still didn't come and pay his loan. Now, the Bezdin gives in a document of an Adrachta. Adrachta means where you have the power, a seizure, to go and force and to, to, to possess properties from this Loyva to collect your loan. That's if this person comes and says that, that he's coming. So then we give him all this time, we give him 90 days. If he says right in the beginning that he refuses to pay and I'm not, I'm not paying, then we give this uh, document of seizure right away that he should be able to go and collect it. Mm-hmm. When do we wait all this time that we mentioned the milve when it's a loan? So possibly he doesn't have money to pay. But if this is a deposit, which you should have, you should have it in your possession. Then if he says he's not paying, then you immediately allow this person to come and seize it and take it away. Now the Gemara says another detail regarding this, when you give this right for seizure to go and collect from this person against his will, you can take from his properties. Regarding metaltalin, to go and collect from his movable items, that you can't collect from him. Why? Because what happens if the the malva will collect these movable items and he uses it, he eats it, he destroys it. And then then if the leva will then later come back and bring witnesses that and will disprove the whole document that the loan was collected with, he won't be able to recollect, to take back what was taken from him, which was not right because now it was destroyed already. Now, however, if the malve, the creditor that's collecting this, has kakois of his own, then you could allow him to collect metaltalin, because even if he destroys the metaltalin and it turns out that it was not right, you'll be able to confiscate the properties that he has. But the Gemara says, this is not true. We don't allow to see uh, the right, this, 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 uh, a seizure to go and take from him just uh, from metaltalin. Even though he, the, the Malva has Karka in his possession and he would be able to pay back. And the reason is, we're afraid that maybe the properties that he has, will, the hurricane will happen and something will happen and it'll lose its value. Let's finish off here. Just, uh, when you write this Adrachta, this right to go and, and seize properties from a Loiveh, when you write this Adrachta, you have to let the Loiveh know that this is happening. The Hanimili, however, when do you have to let him know? The Mikarev, when he's close by and you're able to notify him. Avo Merachik, if he's far away and you can't notify him, you don't have to let him know. However, even when he's far away, and there are people that are, that are close that you're able to let them know. Or there are caravans of people that are traveling to the place there he is. Then machine le trace yarche shati, you're gonna have to wait twelve months at the Osli Vasi Shayarta until people that are traveling there could let him know. So even when he's far, as long as you have people that can travel and let him know, you have to let him know. And the Gemara brings this case that happened, like the case of Ravine, which was a Leve, they let him know for twelve months. again. They waited for Maracha 12 months until to be able to send a caravan of people to let know to Chuzo and Bebe Chuzo. 12 months they waited.
But the Gemara says, you can't learn out from that case. Why not? This Mar'ache, he was actually the creditor. He was the Malve. He's a very, very powerful, very, very strong person. Once he would have got this Shtar Adrachta to confiscate, to, to seize from the Loive, you wouldn't be able to get it out of him. But over here, in a regular case, if the person is far away, what does it mean far away? You only wait three days. When it says a person's far away, you don't have to let him know if it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, and a Thursday. The Gemara says Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday because the Bezden is usually open on a Monday. So then you give three days to be able to let him know. If he's further than three days, you don't have to let him know. You can confiscate his properties. Yeah. Huh? Okay.